There's a common motif that we hear of in today's first reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah that is then expounded upon in our gospel today from St. Matthew. And it's this motif of the tree of life, this tree of salvation begun with the root of Jesse that is carried on through the creation and the incarnation of Christ in his mother's womb that we celebrate at Christmas. But what's interesting is John the Baptist in today's gospel, he's preaching this baptism of repentance, and he's baptizing for repentance so people can turn away from their sins, but he reminds us that the one coming after him, Jesus, is going to not just baptize for repentance, but baptize with the Holy Spirit. And so when the Pharisees and Sadducees hear of this baptism of repentance, they, like many of the other Israelite people, come to John the Baptist for this baptism. But did you notice how he responded to them in today's gospel from St. Matthew? He says, you brood of vipers, you claim Abraham is your father. Who doesn't? So much to say that both the people of Israel and the Ishmaelites as well, who we know of as the Samaritans in that time, they all claim Abraham is their father. It's like in today's terms, if you get pulled over on the side of the road and say, your dad is the governor or your dad is the mayor of town, and say, do you know who my father is? And he says, it doesn't matter, you're still getting a ticket. It's kind of the message that John the Baptist is giving to the Pharisees and the Sadducees in today's gospel. Well, let's take that same message that he's giving to them and fast forward to us now 2,000 years later. We... Yes, claim Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as the fathers of the faith, but we don't call ourselves the sons of Abraham. What do we call ourselves? Christians. I don't know about you, but when I hear the word Christian, many times what comes to mind for me is what the high school students told me when I was the chaplain at McGinnis about how they hated Christians. Bear with me for this one. They said, Father, I don't like Christians. And I said, you realize you're at a Catholic high school, right? I said, yes. But many people that claim to be Christians are some of the most hateful, loathful, vengeful people I have ever met in my life. Which my response is, yeah, some of us are. But all of us are sinners as well. And so John the Baptist would say to each and every one of us that we are not all priests, though we are baptized as priest, prophet, and king, he would say to each and every one of us, yes, you claim to be a Christian, but so do two billion people in the world. What fruit do you bear in your life that justifies you calling yourself a Christian? Christ will take this a step further in the Gospels and say that a good tree can bear nothing but good fruit, and a bad tree can bear nothing but bad fruit. By your fruits, you will know them. Or, as one of the hymns I grew up with used to say, you will know they are Christians by their love. And so love, then, is that good fruit that we show as people that call Christ our Savior. And when we aren't loving, we aren't bearing that good fruit 
that Christ is calling for us to bear that John the Baptist was talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees about in today's gospel. And so, how do we live lives of faith? How do we bear good fruit? Do we follow Christ as he laid before us that life of love? Or do we listen instead to sin? It's a rhetorical question, of course, because we try the hardest that we can most days to do the first, but other times we also fall prey to the latter. And so as John the Baptist preached this baptism of repentance, Christ gave us in the fullness of time two great gifts. He gave us a bunch of great gifts, but two of the great gifts that he gave us was baptism, where we are baptized and forgiven and cleansed of all of our sins, the stain of original sin and any sins that we have committed until that moment. But then God goes even further and says, you are cleansed from your sins, go sin no more, and even if and when you do, come back to me with all your heart. Receive my grace, my peace, my mercy and forgiveness in the sacrament of reconciliation, and then go sin no more. Wash, rinse, and repeat. (laughs) Kind of go through that cycle at times in life. But the question then becomes, Why do we have to go to the sacrament of reconciliation? This is the the foundation and the heart and the root of many of the questions we have as Christians, as Catholics. Why do I have to go to confession? Well, sometimes it's about the verbiage that we use. You don't have to go to confession. You don't have to go to church. We get to go to confession. We get to go to church. That these truly are blessings given to us by God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because each and every one of us are empty. We have things in our lives that just don't make sense. And so we then try and find things in the world to fill that emptiness in our lives. This is where our hobbies sometimes come in. This is where our addictions and our vices come into our lives as well, because at least we have a temporal, shortened feeling of, (sighs) but then, as you know with any addiction, the more that you get that high, the more you have to do to achieve the same, or at least close to that high, whether it be alcohol, drugs, sex, video games, gambling, many of those addictions that people have, they do because there is this longing for something more that will never be met by earthly and temporal goods. So Christ, time and time again, talks about this wellspring of life. That if you ask for this water, you will never thirst. If you ask for this food, you will never be hungry. And we think, all right, I don't want to pay for food or water. It's expensive these days. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the bread of life, the cup of salvation, and the baptism that frees us from our sins. That for some reason, we hold on to so dearly. Or as one of my professors in seminary used to say, It's like in the movie Austin Powers, where Dr. Evil had his pet hairless cat that he called Mr. Bigglesworth. It's the ugliest type of cat you can have, and it was this white albino 
hairless cat, and he would pet it. And he'd look and say, ew. But that's how we treat many times in life our vices. We are more afraid to live without those sins that have become part of us than we are eternal damnation. Think about that for a second. Because if we were truly more afraid of eternal damnation, we would do anything that we could to change our lives every moment of every day. But Satan doesn't want you to even think about that. He wants you to believe that you will live forever. That's why I talk about death so much, not because it's morbid, but because Christ tells us not to reflect on the things of earth, but instead to raise our gaze and contemplate eternity in paradise. This whole preparation season that we have of Advent, yes, I realize I come across as a Grinch sometimes because I still won't listen to Christmas music even though it's been on radio stations since November 1st because it's not Christmas yet. Yes, Christ came 2,000 years ago as the baby Jesus. And we are to celebrate that truth every day, but the church gives us as well this season of Advent for a specific reason. Preparation. That to truly be able to receive the gift of Christ, we have to turn from sin. To be able to truly utilize all the gifts, talents, and skills and the graces that God has given to us, we cannot allow sin to be our burden, to hold us captive. Because if we do, the gift of Christmas will be just like it is in society. The first day of Christmas is the last day of Christmas. You notice that? December 26th, everything for Christmas goes on sale. Half-price candy, winner. Although I'm diabetic, but winner. But also, all of the Christmas stations that are playing all the Christmas music, December 26th, go back to the secular music. That's just the second day of Christmas for us. That doesn't end until the Feast of Epiphany. But we fall into that trap so many times. I even realized this year for the first time, the Advent calendars that we have don't even celebrate Advent. Did you notice that? I grew up in Germany. We'd always have the German chocolate Advent calendars. I've got one in my house now that I still haven't opened yet. But the Advent calendars, how many days are in those calendars no matter when Christmas is? 24 days. It's December calendar leading to Christmas. Not truly an Advent calendar. But we always grew up thinking, no, these are Advent calendars. Like, wait a second, though. Advent started before December 1st this year, so we really didn't get to celebrate all of Advent. I'm missing four pieces of chocolate. Now, we look at it in that way when we're excited about it, but then it's like, oh, years like last year where the fourth Sunday of Advent was one day and the next day was Christmas. We're like, eh, we don't need that extra day. We get the extra 25 pieces of chocolate anyways. But many times in life, We don't focus on what it is God is calling us to focus on. It's easy for us to complain when things don't go right and easy for us to point out the things that others are doing wrong, but do we focus on the blessings God has given to us? I was watching a TV show this last week, actually two different shows that brought up this old story about Albert Einstein, where he was teaching a class one day and he wrote on a chalkboard, one times nine equals nine. 2 times 9 equals 18. 3 times 9 is 27. All the way down to 9 times 10 equals 91. His class 
laughed at him. Because 9 times 10 is not 91. 9 times 10 is 90. And he said, I did this to prove a point. I got the first nine of these problems correct. No issues. And instead of helping me change my mistake from 91 to 90, literally taking the one and turning it into a zero, you would much rather make fun of me. You would much rather point out the things that I've done wrong than all the things that I've done right. Talk about sin. How many times do we focus on the negative things in our lives and we forget to give praise and thanksgiving for all of the blessings that we have in our lives? For the blessing of being able to be here on a Sunday morning with no even fear, let alone thought, of being persecuted against for going to church. Think of the early church where they had to meet in secret in homes and had to have like signs and symbols so you knew you were in the right place because you couldn't say you were a follower of the way. To call yourself a Christian was to condemn yourself to death. Yet we call ourselves Christians and many times condemn ourselves to eternal death because we don't practice what it is we preach. John the Baptist, when he was speaking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees today, he was calling them hypocrites. As I mentioned before, my first year as a priest, I didn't realize how much of a hypocrite I was until I preached about the Pharisees and Sadducees and said, Ah, crap. Do what I say, not what I do. That's a definition of a hypocrite, right? How many times do I get up here and preach what I know is true, but then I go out and sin the next day? More often than I'd like to admit. But I recognize in that, that's not to justify it, I recognize in that that I am a hypocrite, but I'm still called to preach the truth. Not because I always do it right, but because the Lord is calling each and every one of us to continue to grow in faith. And where I struggle, I call you to struggle as well in a positive manner, not to fall into the same traps that I have but instead to see where the Lord is working in your life. That if you call yourself a Christian, which we do, if you call yourself Catholic, which we do, do our actions speak louder than our words? Oh, but Father, in the workplace, in school, I can't talk about my faith. I'm not telling you to, though if necessary, do it. What I'm saying is to allow the love of God to penetrate your heart so deeply that people cannot be around you without knowing that something is different. Something that the world cannot give has been given to you, and that is salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. When we truly look at those two great commands that Christ gives us to love God and love neighbor in that order... It makes sense. Because if we don't truly love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, and with all of our being, it is impossible for us to love each other. As I've said before, the struggle is we listen to that second one too much. Love our neighbor as we love ourselves. The problem is, if I don't love myself, I'm not going to love my neighbor. In fact, if I have something wrong with myself, I'm going to point out those exact same things in you. Because if I can't forgive myself for my sins, there is no way on God's green earth I'm going to forgive you for making the same sins. 
hypocrisy. But we fall into it so often without recognizing it. Because many times we are stuck in autopilot when it comes to life. That's why seasons like Advent and Lent are so important, not because Easter and Christmas aren't important, but to truly celebrate them, we have to prepare ourselves. Just like, this is where I'm going to get myself in trouble, but I'm going to say it anyways, marriage prep is so important for the sacrament of marriage. We live in a world where 95% of couples cohabitate or have sexual actions before the sacrament of marriage. How then do you truly celebrate that bond meant for marriage inside of it when all you've known is it outside of it? How do we truly celebrate Christmas when we don't even know how to celebrate Advent and Easter without Lent? The church in her divine wisdom given to us by God doesn't just do things for the sake of doing things. Everything has a purpose. Everything has a plan. Just like you have a purpose and God has a plan for you. God wants you to know that you are loved. That's why we have to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. Because if we don't believe that we are loved by God... We also then find it a big leap to believe that our enemies are loved by God. And so when Christ says, love not just your friends, but love your enemies, it rings on deaf ears unless we realize that our enemies are loved by God the same way that we are. It all flows from that same teaching. We are all grafted into that same tree of life. But do we see each other as limbs of that same tree, as members of that same body, or do we isolate ourselves or isolate others from embracing who they are called to be? Do we ask God for reconciliation? Do we go to our neighbor that we've sinned against, that we've gossiped about, that we've lied to and about, and say, I'm sorry? You didn't deserve that. I was in the wrong. Most times, probably not. But why not? Sometimes there's fear. Sometimes there's anger. There's resentment that is there in our lives. But the Lord tells us time and time again, be not afraid. Love your neighbor. And so as the Baptist told us in today's gospel, John, He said, your fruits will be your penance. What fruits do you produce, my brothers and sisters? I'm saying this to everybody, not just to like sing anybody out. So I'm not singing anybody out in this homily. I just want to make sure. Because many of us in here do produce good fruits. Keep doing it. Keep working towards it. None of us in this church is perfect. None of us in this church knows everything, myself included. I know less than most of you guys do. (laughs) But how do we continue to grow in our faith if we don't grow in the love of God? We can't. So continuing to send our kids to religious education, continuing to attend religious education ourselves, even though it's on a Wednesday night and it's dark outside and Father is boring as all get out, I get it. It's an opportunity for us to grow. And every time that God gives us as an opportunity, 
We can say yes, or we can say no. That's how much the Lord loves you. He will allow you to say no. He will allow you to choose to go to hell. He will allow you to choose to not repent. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will continue to seek his grace and mercy. So as we continue through this Advent season, if it's been a while since you've been to the Sacrament of Reconciliation, have no fear. I'm not there to judge you. The other priests aren't there to judge you. We're there to let you know that God loves you, to give you absolution for your sins, to give you some small penance to do in reparation for your sins so that you can then be set back on that road of faith. Have no fear. The Lord is here. The Lord is with you. How do we then profess that truth of our faith as Christians?